Well, happy Mother Day, y'all. <laughs> well, today we continue in our series through the New Testament together, and we're in our second week in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is an interesting book. It is part two of a two-part series. So if you didn't realize it, because our uh, folks that separated the canon and put all the scripture together wanted the history kind of after the Gospels and different reasons and such. And, and Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts, wrote them as a, a two-part set. And so it's really best to read them together, even though we didn't do it that way, but it tells the story of Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, it paints the pattern of how the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and how the incarnated Son made His way in His mission through, through life and ended at Golgotha, at the cross. Well, the uh, book of Luke tells the story of what happened next. So basically, the creation of the church. So how did Jesus leave things when he, he left this, this earth? And so Acts opens up with Jesus' ascension and the disciples still kind of looking dumbfounded, uh, not knowing what to do because they hadn't yet received the Spirit. Uh, but if you've read through, you know that the Spirit was given. Uh, Nathan preached last week out of chapter 5, and we've covered a bunch of stuff between 6 and 12. And so let's kind of recap where we've been at in our story. So in chapter 6, uh, they elected deacons. We just did that. Stephen was one of the ones that was elected. And because he was full of the Spirit and he preached with boldness, he was arrested. Didn't go well. But we have uh, two chapters of him preaching the Word of God on how he knew it and how the Spirit had opened his eyes to receive and how with great boldness he testified before the council. And through his strength and through his testimony, he was stoned. Stoned to death. And then it says there was one who was basically holding the jackets. His name was Saul. Saul was a pretty bad guy there in this part of the story. After he sees the stoning of Stephen, he takes it upon himself to get rid of this problem this heresy of their church. He's going to eradicate it. He was well learned in their tradition, a Pharisee among Pharisees. I mean, he had all the right credentials, and he was the guy to put over this task, and he volunteered for it. And so he got the proper permissions, didn't just take it on himself, but sought counsel, got the authority, had the papers, and started going about from town to town persecuting the church. The story of the persecution is interrupted by the story of Philip. Philip, one of the disciples, one of the apostles who was appointed, filled with spirit, had this interaction with this Ethiopian eunuch, and the gospel started spreading. So this Gentile from the outside world, this non-Jewish guy, was drawn to the teachings. And Philip was able to walk him through what it meant uh, to be a Christian. And as the story goes... Um, we see Peter and Cornelius. I love this story. That's one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is Peter's vision. So, so Peter is now uh, hungry at a point, sitting on a roof, uh, praying, falls into this trance and sees this vision of this basically this blanket with all these uh, four-hoofed animals and things like that. And, and he was hungry. And Jesus tells him in this vision, he says, kill and eat. I mean, this is bacon coming down on a platter for Peter. 
He's troubled because he has never ate anything unclean, and he has this experience on how these things aren't. These things are made clean by God. Who are you to argue? And then he has this interaction with Cornelius, who also has this other vision. And, and uh, he sends servants to go pick up Peter and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's some interaction and this household becomes saved. And the Spirit comes upon them. Not just Jewish people, but they are sp- filled with the Spirit. They're speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff that would make Baptists a little bit on edge reading it. But, you know, all these things are happening. And he is convinced that this is much bigger than the Jewish people. And he said, I am not about to argue with God. Are you? Are you going to argue with God with the evidence that we're seeing stack up here? And so in chapter 6, we, we see a church has been formed in Antioch. And I want to read one of the verses here. It's 26. Let's see where I found it. It said... Uh, I'm in the wrong spot. Anyways, I'm going to summarize it because it's easy. Oh, here we go. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, this is an interesting thing because Christians wasn't a moniker you wanted. It was slang. It was an insult. So the powers that be, the, the culture of the day, picked the term Christians to basically make fun of this group of Christ followers. When we hear the word Christian today, do we feel like people are making fun of us? No. Because in our culture, we can wear that. We can wear it proudly because I'm a Christian. That's what I stand for. I'm a Christ follower. But this church in Antioch, that these, this uh, growing group of minorities was insulted with the term Christian. But the faith was growing. The Spirit was moving. As you read through this book, you kind of wonder, why do they call it the Acts of the Apostles? This is the act of the Holy Spirit. It just happens to be the apostles who are the ones that the Spirit is working through. And so as the Spirit is invading the lives of these disciples, these apostles, and is spreading, it's interesting to see how everything is working together. And Luke crafts this narrative in a way that it sets up for the next event. So let's think about it. So we open up with the the, the deacons being elected and Stephen being stoned and Saul being there. We we see his conversion in these kind of things. Well, later. But anyways, we, we see... Well, we do. We see Saul on the road to Damascus. And we see how he was blinded and another servant was sent. What happened when the persecution broke out? When, when Saul was leading the church, was leading the Jewish people to attack these Christians? They fled Jerusalem because their life was truly in danger. They weren't tasked just to stay around. They were sent. They were spread out. Well, how did Antioch get started? It was those who spread out. So instead of congregating in Jerusalem where everything was going well and everybody was congregating, they were forced out. Well, as they were forced out, this power of the Spirit that was living in their heart was getting excited. So they started telling other people. Other people started coming. The Spirit started... I mean, it was a whole whole thing. If I'm excited about it because it's really cool. And so because of this persecution that Saul started, or that started and Saul took very much a part of, His work in the Lord 
began before he even knew it. When he was on the wrong side of the fight, he was spreading missionaries all over the world. And later we'll see how his story unfolds, that these missionaries will take place. And when he does it intentionally, all the things that he inflicted on others would be passed back to him probably tenfold. And so as this message spreads, as this book spreads, we see how from this one little speck of know-nothing Galilee, this town of Nazareth, this Bethlehem birth, how it's just infecting the whole world. Have you been catch, following this measles outbreak thing in our country? I imagine many of you have, especially if you have little children. One person went to an airport. Boom, 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 boom. All these major cities are now filling up with people with these cases. You can get into all the political side on why, why this is happening, and, and we're, we're not going there. But viruses will infect because all they need is travel and contact the spirit is like a virus you, you may be offended by that but it is because it is truly contagious if you let the spirit to breed in you and ooze out of you and being a carrier of this it can't help but just spread to other people just by the mere contact this message is spreading because it is the gospel it is the good news it is the way of salvation to the world and it's spreading and so we get to chapter 12 today and today's mother's day and so I was trying to figure out, how do I connect this? Well, let's read the story, and we'll figure out how we're going to connect Mother's Day here. So if you want to join with me in verse 6, it says, Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night Peter was sleeping. So Herod had arrested Peter and had him bound because he'd already just killed James with the sword, which is the backstory here, and the people liked it. So he was going to continue this. It says, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and two centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fall off his hands, and the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out following him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they stood, and when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to, into the city. It opened for, for them to, uh, of its own accord. And they went out, and they went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Peter came to himself and, and said, now I am sure the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all the Jewish people um, were <clears throat> and all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhonda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice. In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. 
uh, they said to her, You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when the door opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, Tell these to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. So Peter is rescued. Peter, the one who was famously stuck his foot in his mouth so many times in the gospel, the one who for so long was anxious to enter the fight but didn't have the wherewithal to know where the fight should be taken, who said, Lord, I will follow you even unto death, but only to betray him three times by little servant girls and strangers by campfires. The one who was shamed and who had gone back to fishing and he gave up all of his religious expertise and training that he had received and just said, I'm done. The one who Jesus called him to his side and forgave him three times is now the preacher of the church, the one that everyone's looking to. And Herod sees how great it was to, to uh, persecute the church and how much fanfare he got, so he was going to keep at it. So Peter ended up in prison. He ended up in jail. But that night when we had all these other visions, he didn't think it was anything different than another vision that he was having because we've already seen them over and over in this book, and so it's not to his surprise that another vision's taken place. But this Peter who was anxious before in the storms when they raged on the boat, who woke up the Lord and said, Lord, help us, we're about to drown, who was comfortably asleep because his Lord was in control even during the storms of his life. And this Peter... Once he was rescued, once he came to himself, like that wayward son, the one who went and left his country and squandered all of his father's riches, when he came to himself, he went to the one place he knew the disciples were gathered, to Mary's house, the mother of John, who's also named Mark. So there's where our Mother's Day connection is. Why were they gathered at Mary's house? Gathered at Mary's house. That could be bad if I said that too many times. Because that was the house to go to. You know, if you remember reading through the Gospels, when Jesus came, he was splitting up families because there will be some that were drawn to him, but then there will be some who rejected them. You know, there will be some who would persecute them. And there were some followers who were gathered here. And Mary welcomed them enter her home and this John Mark who will become off and on through the book of Acts was one of those disciples we know that he would leave with Paul later on a missionary journey but he would kind of give up but he got a second chance this John Mark the same name that I carry you call me Mark first name's actually John if you didn't know that they were at his mother's house Mary's house she was a place where people gathered. She was a place, safe place. The house I grew up in was like that. You know, the more and more 
I grow in my faith and see other people and see their walks, the more fortunate I believe I am. Because when I was a teenager, I took for granted the life that I was given. Because, you know, back in the 90s when they were teaching you how to evangelize, you know, they would teach you this, the pattern on, well, you know, think about your life, how you were before you met Christ. How awful, horrible sinner you were, how total depravity and all that kind of stuff. And now think about your life now that you know Jesus. Well, I came to know the Lord 10 or 12. can't remember the date. I've told you this story before. How utterly deprived is a 10-year-old? I mean, really. You think about it. Every week, my mom and dad, they took me to church. They had me in the doors when they were open. I was in youth camps. I was in all this kind of stuff. We didn't have a Awana's in, but we had other program. I was there, learning about the faith. And so as a teenager, when they taught me to this pattern, of, well, just think about how bad you were before and how you are now. Well, I didn't have a whole lot to say. I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew that I need Jesus in my life to save me. But I can't tell you how he relieved me from alcoholism or, or my cocaine habit as a 10-year-old. You know, these kind of things. I couldn't tell those stories. Some of my friends could because they came from bad places. They, they overcame their birth story. And so as we think about Mother's Day, and remember our mothers that meant so much to us. Many like myself are just grateful for this day because we had great mothers. But this is a day that is mixed emotions for some. Some we've had estranged relationships. Some we didn't know our moms at all. Some we've laid our mothers to rest this past year or maybe more recently. And so this day is difficult. There are some here today that have struggled with becoming mothers. And through heartache and hardship, they've lost one pregnancy after another. How do we celebrate this day when there's so many mixed emotions with it? We celebrate because there are women like this Mary who open their house to those disciples that were gathered there praying together. I don't know the story of all those gathered here when Peter came that night. Some of them may have been kicked out of their own homes. They may have been disowned by their family because they were becoming these Christians, these zealots that were just destroying the church, that their parents didn't want anything to do with them, that they were outcast and ostracized. And on Mother's Day, we don't just celebrate biological motherhood. Sometimes in our modern perspective, that's the only way we can connect it to the one who biologically gave birth to us. God was the one who created us. And he gave us through certain people. And sometimes it wasn't in our house of origin that we became to know what mothers were about. It maybe had been someone like this Mary in our lives who took it upon themselves to show a godly influence for us, who raised us in a way and who cared and loved for us so that we may know what motherhood that God had offered. And so as we celebrate, moms, if you can still call yours, call yours. 
If you're estranged from yours and today's not the day you want to call, don't call. Just pray for them. But also think about who God has placed in your life. Because I know through the story of Scripture and through my own story that our lives are interconnected. And sometimes like the life of Saul, when you think you're doing so right but so destructive to others, God will work through that mess. And as he went around persecuting the church, the gospel spread all the more until he experienced the risen Lord on that road to Damascus. And he was blinded because in his blindness, God showed him how to see. Because if anyone knew the scriptures, it was Saul, the straight-A student of the Jewish faith, Knew the scriptures backwards and forward. And in a day without computers, I bet you he could recite nearly most of it to you. But it wasn't until that encounter with Jesus and the Spirit was sent upon him that he understood his purpose, his true mission. And the gospel went forth yet again. And in the story of Peter's rescue... We see that there was a house that welcomed in all the kids. Doesn't matter how old you are, you're still somebody's son or daughter. And there was this Mary. And so if you haven't been blessed with your own biological children, you can still become a mother like this. An influential woman who can be a gathering place for those who are lost. And this Mary is an example that I saw in my own mother. House was always open. When we were in high school, we'd always come by with friends. Of course, we also had to run the gauntlet because my dad didn't always sleep in pajamas. And sometimes if we were out and came back, he'd be in bed early. And he liked to sleep on the couch on occasion. But we always had a place to go, no matter what we were up to, because we were all welcome there, all of our friends, whether I was home or not. This was a house like that. It is recorded in the biblical history so that we may remember in years to come that there are people, there are mothers that care for hers and all the others that she's been blessed to receive. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. Join with me in prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the mothers that you have sent into our lives and for the blessings that they have given us. Lord, we pray for those today who have heavy hearts because they didn't experience the life that I have. I ask that you open their eyes so they may see how you have worked through others to give the influence that can be found in the church. Because as we dedicated Sweet Raylan today, we see that it is the church that comes together as a community. 
to raise our next generation. Lord, burden our hearts that we may see truly how you work in our presence. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if Jesus has stirred in your heart this week and you have found faith in him and you want to share that with all those present today, please come forward. Maybe you've just been visiting uh, First Baptist Church for a while. The day's a day that you're going to join. Please come forward. Maybe you're simply in need of prayer. Come forward at this time.